Welcome to another edition of the one and only podcast known to the world as Sean's Sports Show. Yup, this is episode number 156, and I'm coming at you from Los Angeles, California on Saturday, October 20th, 2018. Lots to talk about here. Uh, the Dodgers and the Brewers played game seven of the NLCS. Uh, some other baseball stories, college football, obviously, it's Saturday today. Um, some more news on the World Series, uh, specifically with the Boston Red Sox. Some European soccer games and news. Uh, Chelsea played Man United. Lionel Messi might be uh, injured. Uh, I'll get into that. Some college basketball news. Political controversy with the NFL. And uh, that's about it. Also, the LA sports teams. So without further ado, let's get down to it. The first news story, notable news story of the day, that of or of the episode, I should say has to do with European soccer. So um, Manchester United played Chelsea today. Uh, Ross Barkley scored a stoppage time equalizer to secure a 2-2 draw for Chelsea against Manchester United at Stamford Bridge on Saturday to preserve Chelsea's unbeaten Premier League record. Antonio Rudiger took advantage of some poor defending from the Red Devils to head the hosts in front midway through the first half. However, the visitors improved after the break and leveled when Martial, Anthony Martial pounced on a loose ball and it fired home 10 minutes into the second half. The French forward then carried, uh, curled home his second in the 73rd minute after good work from Marcus Rashford. The Red Devils looked set for a win until Barkley uh, fired home from close range in the sixth minute that added time to secure a point for Chelsea. It was a great game. And uh, unfortunately, the team that I support, Man United, couldn't... Um, break Chelsea's undefeated season. So that's that. Switching gears now to college basketball. West Virginia added a big piece to its 2019 recruiting class after center Oscar Tijboué announced his commitment to the Mountaineers today. Uh, Tijboué announced a, a Final Four of Kentucky, West Virginia, Baylor, and Illinois for his services on Twitter in August. The standout from Kennedy Catholic High School in Pennsylvania is a five-star prospect ranked as number eight center and number 22 overall player in the 2019 recruiting class. Leading up to his senior year in high school, Brian Snow of 247 Sports broke down some of the traits that make uh, the Hermitage, Pennsylvania native such a special prospect. Quote, Tishbue's combination of athleticism, toughness, motor, and strength make him one of the toughest one-on-one matchups in the class. In fact, when going up against the best of the best in the 2019 class, Tishbue seemed to always come out on top and really excel during June and July. Brown also noted uh, the big man improved his ability to score, quote, when running, catching, and finishing while on the move. Traditional back-to-the-basket centers can still play a valuable role, but it's not a good way to maximize value when long-distance shooting is crucial to success. West Virginia head coach Bob Huggins has built a reputation in recent years for adapting his style to best suit the players on his roster. It's a strategy that has paid off as the Mountaineers have made it to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament three times in the last four years. They have also won at least 25 games in each of those four seasons. If Tishbue is able to turn his newfound shooting skill into production at the college level, West Virginia will put itself among the nation's elite programs during the 2019-20 season. So I don't know much about this guy, but this seems like a great move for West Virginia, and it's going to be very exciting to see him play. Switching gears now to college football, Washington State head coach Mike Leach went went on a tirade against Pac-12 officials stemming from a non-call on a helmet-to-helmet hit against quarterback Gardner Minshew during a September 21st game against USC. Per Yahoo Sports' Pete Thamel, Leach sent a series of text messages to conference ex- executives that questioned the Pac-12's, quote, commitment to player safety and insinuations of favoritism in the league office toward other programs. 
On the plan question, USC linebacker Porter Gustin led with his helmet to hit Minshew after he had already thrown a pass in the fourth quarter. Le- Leach told reporters during his weekly press conference on September 24th he couldn't comment on the situation without being fined. Quote, I think you ought to call General Counsel Woody Dixon at the Pac-12 offices. I'd be happy to comment on it if I were allowed to, but I'm not allowed to. But since I'm not allowed to, I suggest you call Woody Dixon at the conference office, and I'm sure he's got a telephone number. I'm sure he's got an email. Speaking to the Associated Press, uh, Pac-12 Commissioner Larry Scott stopped short of uh, stopped short of saying Gustin's hit should have been called targeting. He said, quote, as you know, in any given game, there are a lot of close calls, and this was a very, very close one, no doubt about it. Pac-12 head of communications Andrew Walker issued a statement to Thamel regarding Leach's texts, saying, quote, while we do not comment on private communications with coaches, if there is ever a serious allegation of any kind from a coach, we follow up and discuss the matter with the relevant university athletic department and provide them with an opportunity to request an inquiry into the matter. No such request has been received from Washington State University. Last week, Thamel reported the Pac-12 overhauled its replay review process after it was determined uh, in the same game that Washington State linebacker Logan Tago should have been ejected for targeting USC quarterback JT Daniels, but an independent third party later identified as Dixon overruled the replay officials. Washington State would go on to lose the game 39-36 when Blake Mazza's 38-yard field, goal, 38-yard field goal attempt was blocked at the end of the game, uh, the same drive that Gustin delivered the hit to Minshew. So that's that. I can't really give much of my opinion on this because I'm not very familiar with this, but it seems very controversial, and hopefully they'll be able to sort this out. Switching gears now to, I guess you can call this the NFL. Comedian and actress Amy Schumer announced Friday she turned down all offers to appear in Super Bowl advertisements in support of former San Francisco 49ers quarterback Colin Kaepernick. She said, quote, I personally told my reps I wouldn't do a Super Bowl commercial this year. She wrote this on Instagram. I know it must sound like a privilege as sacrifice, but it's all I got. Hitting the NFL with the advertisers is the only way to really hurt them. Kaepernick has remained a free agent since opting out of his contract with the Niners in March of 2017. He filed a collusion grievance against the NFL, arguing he's been kept out of the league by owners because of his role the movement to protest, uh, in the movement to protest during the United States national anthem before games. Schumer also challenged more white NFL players to kneel to show their support for Kaepernick and his effort to bring attention to racial injustice, saying, quote, I wonder why more white players aren't kneeling once you witness the true deep the truly deep inequality and endless racism people of color face in our country, not to mention the police brutality and murders. Why not kneel next to your brothers? Otherwise, how are you not complicit? She also urged Maroon 5, who were reported to have been selected to perform during the halftime show at this season's Super Bowl by Variety in September, to withdraw their name from consideration. Nicholas Hotman of US Weekly reported music superstar Rihanna declined an offer to play the halftime show because she doesn't agree with this NFL stance on the protest during the anthem. Schumer appeared in a Super Bowl ad alongside Seth Rogen during Super Bowl 50 in 2016, according to ESPN.com. So I'm not going to give my take on this because this is very much so more political than it has to do with the NFL itself. Switching gears now to the NBA. NBA Commissioner Adam Silver and National Basketball Players Association Executive Director Michael uh, Michelle Roberts are reportedly, quote, struggling to reach an agreement on ending the one-and-done rule to make 18-year-old players eligible for the NBA draft. On Saturday, Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN.com reported the NBA is pressing for agents to provide medical information on all potential draft prospects coming out of high school and wants mandatory attendance at the draft combine with, quote, some level of participation. One NBA general manager told Wojnarowski teams are worried about making a massive investment in an 18-year-old prospect if they're not given all of the relevant details about their health history. We're investing millions of dollars into players who will who will now have even less 
information about coming out of high school and we should have the right to have all the information available on who we are selecting, the GM said. Although the players' union has, quote, felt significant pressure from the agent community to resist the NBA's push on seating control of medical information, the league remains hopeful an agreement can be reached to implement changes beginning with the 2022 NBA draft. In July, Sam Mamick of USA Today provided comments from Silver about his desire to make players eligible for the draft right out of high school for the first time since 2005. He said, quote, my personal view is that we're ready to make that change. It won't come immediately, but when I weigh the pros and cons, and given that former Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice and her NCAA commission has recommended to the NBA that those one-and-done players now come directly into the league, and in essence, the college community is saying, we do not want these players and those players anymore. I mean, that sort of tips the scale in my mind that we should be taking a serious look at lowering the, our age to 18. Meanwhile, the G League is going to offer, quote, select contracts worth $125,000 to elite prospects starting in 2019. That will present top prospects with a path straight to professional basketball if they don't want to play college ball, according to ESPN.com's Jonathan Giovoni. What Janowski noted, discussions about the combine should create far less resistance as the NBA only wants prospects to partake in interview sessions, athletic testing, and measurements, and doesn't have a hardline stance on whether they participate in scrimmages. Conversations between the sides are expected to continue, quote, soon. So uh, this is a great idea, in my opinion. I think uh, the age limit should be lowered to 18, and I'm really looking forward to the progress that they're going to make and eventually this being implemented into the NBA. Switching gears now to the MLB, Houston Astros star Jose Altuve, uh, uh, his knee required a surgery as soon as the season came to an end. Per MLB.com's Brian McTaggart, the reigning American League MVP, had a surgical procedure done on his right knee Friday. A source told McTaggart that Altuve is expected to be ready for spring training next year. The Astros' bid to repeat as World Series champions came to an end when the Boston Red Sox defeated them in the American League Championship Series. Injuries have become a problem for the first time in the 28-year-old's career, including his first ever trip to the disabled list in 2018. The second baseman went to the DL at the end of July with a knee injury that cost him nearly a month of action. He injured his knee again during Game 2 of the American League Division Series against the Cleveland Indians, but continued to play through the pain. This comes after Altuve missed only 22 games over the past four years, never missing more than nine games in a single season. In that time, he has transformed into one of, one of the top hitters in the majors with three batting titles and one MVP award. He kept up his great hitting, great hitting in 2018, producing a 316 batting average with 13 home runs despite his injury issues. So I, I, even though I'm a Dodger fan, I wish him nothing but the best in his recovery, and I'm looking forward to seeing him play in the 2019 season. Switching gears now to the NFL. New England Patriots tight end Rob Gronkowski is, is quote, highly unlikely to play against the Chicago Bears on Sunday as, he's continues, as he continues to nurse back and ankle injuries, according to ESPN's Adam Schefter. Schefter, note, Schefter added New England is playing it safe by resting Gronkowski against Chicago and that the tight, is, tight end is expected to be back in a week. Jim McBride of the Boston Globe reported Gronkowski did not make the trip to Chicago. The tight end has not been ruled out officially. The Patriots listed Gronkowski as questionable on Friday after, after he put in a limited practice on Thursday. A mainstay on the Patriots' injury report, Gronkowski found himself banked up again in Week 4 when he left New England's 38-7 win over the Miami Dolphins because of an ankle issue. NFL Network's Michael Giardi reported the injury was, quote, not that big a deal, but it has kept him on something of a maintenance plan during practice. When healthy, the five-time Pro, Bowl, Pro Bowler has managed 26 receptions for over 400 yards and a touchdown with defenses working diligently to uh, suppress his impact in the red zone. 
Backup tight end Dwayne Allen should watch his snap count climb if Gronkowski is indeed inactive for game for week seven, which I think that's going to be the smart move considering that the Patriots are playing the Bears, even though they have been better this year. Switching gears on to college football, the sixth-ranked Michigan Wolverines scored a key 21-7 win over the number 24 Michigan State Spartans on Saturday at Spartan Stadium in East Lansing, Michigan. It's the second straight statement win for Michigan, which steamrolled for a 38-13 victory over the Wisconsin Badgers in Week 7. The Wolverines also claimed the coveted Paul Bunyan Trophy for the second time in three years to bring their all-time record, record against MSU to 70-36-5. Meanwhile, the loss is an immediate setback for Michigan State following its 21-17 upset uh, at, the hands, at the hands of the Penn State Nittany Lions last week, which had pushed the Spartans back into the top 25. So huge win there for Michigan. Now another college football result. The number three Clemson Tigers crushed the number 16 NC State uh, Wolfpack 41-7 in the Battle of Unbeaten Teams at Memorial Stadium in Clemson, South Carolina on Saturday. Clemson improved its record to 7-0, including a 4-0 mark in conference play, while NC State is 5-1 overall and 2-1 in the ACC. The Tigers turned in a dominant defensive performance as they held the Wolfpack to under 300 yards and forced three turnovers. NC State also went only 2-12 of 12 on third down. Offensively, freshman quarterback Trevor Lawrence was a driving force for Clemson, going 26-39 of 39 for over 300 yards and a touchdown. Sophomore running back Travis Etienne also continued his great season, rushing for 39 yards and three, touch 39 yards and three touchdowns while catching one pass for 24 yards. While NC State was in the game for much of the first half, Clemson put it out of reach by scoring 10 points in the final 46 seconds of the second quarter to carry a commanding 24-0 lead into the locker room. From there, they cruised to another win. So huge win there for Clemson, and uh, they def definitely made a statement. They'll be, uh, they'll be a team to watch out for when it comes to who selected into the college football playoff. Switching gears now back to the NFL. The New, York, the New York Jets will reportedly release wide receiver Terrell Pryor on Saturday, according to ESPN's Adam Schefter. Schefter added that Pryor had a, has a groin injury that is expected to keep him out for two weeks. He's, he also reported that the Jets are interested in bringing him back when healthy, but other teams may want to sign him as well. In his first season with the Jets, Pryor registered 14 receptions for uh, 235 yards and two touchdowns following a miserable 2017 in Washington. He had only 20 receptions for 240 yards and a touchdown with Washington, playing only nine games because of injury and disappointing performances. That came on the heels of a breakout season with the Cleveland Browns in 2016 that saw him make 77 grabs for over 1,000 yards and four touchdowns. Pryor previously played for the Oakland Raiders. He began his career as a quarterback before transitioning to wide receiver in Cleveland. Robbie Anderson and Jermaine Curse will serve as quarterback. Uh, will serve as quarterback Sam Darnold's top receiving options in New York following Pryor's anticipated departure. Quincy Anunma will also figure into the mix, although he's expected to miss up to four weeks with an ankle injury. So this seems like a good move, smart move for the Jets. Switching gears to another NFL story. Cincinnati Bengals linebacker Vontae's Perfect has been fined $112,000 for unnecessary roughness on multiple plays during a clash against the Pittsburgh Steelers in Week 6. According to NFL Network's Ian Rappaport, the plays in question involved hits on receiver Antonio Brown and running back James Conner. Perfect, of course, has a long track record of questionable actions on the football field. He has been fined and suspended on multiple occasions throughout his seven-year career. Um... Pro Football Talk's Cherian Williams noted the troubled linebacker has lost more than $4 million in his career as a result. Last week's game against Pittsburgh was just perfect second appearance of the season. He was suspended for the first four games of the season for violating the league's policy on performance-enhancing substances. Cincinnati and Pittsburgh have been involved in a physical rivalry through the years, uh, with perfect typically right in the middle of things. 
Week six marked the first time the two teams met on the field since Steelers receiver Juju Smith-Schuster concussed perfect with a crackback block last year. Smith-Schuster served a one-game suspension. It was a fairly tame game by their standards at least. However, Burfecht once again found himself at the center of controversy following some questionable hits. Um, Smith-Schuster told reporters after after the Steelers' 28-21 victory that the Bengals' defense made, quote, major threats in his direction per DKPittsburghSports.com's uh, Dijon Kovic. Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback Ben Roethlisberger also accused Burfecht of threatening Smith-Schuster, saying, quote, he hits A-B, then literally, as I'm under center for the next play, he points at Juju and says, you're next. Roethlisberger said, according to the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette's Ron Cook, how do you allow that stuff? NFL Network's Mike Garofalo Mike posted video footage of the alleged incident, but it's unclear what the Bengals linebacker was saying, as there is no audio. Despite a number of plays being subject to review by the NFL, Burfecht managed to escape with suspension, but we'll see his bank account take a hit. He will be available to play in Sunday night's Jordan against the 5-1 Kansas City Chiefs. The Bengals and Steelers don't meet again until the regular season finale on December 30th at Heinz Field in Pittsburgh. If the game holds playoff implications, though, the, the league will likely uh, be on high alert again. Switching gears now to another MLB story. American League teams have often um, have to do some significant lineup shifting, shuffling in World Series road games because National League rules don't include the designated hitter. As a result, Boston Red Sox manager Alex Cora could explore all of his options to try to field the best team in the upcoming championship round. He said, quote, I don't know, man. He said this when he asked if outfielder Mookie Betts would play second base during the Fall Classic to get J.D. Martinez, the team's designated hitter, into the lineup, according to ESPN.com. He already played second in the season. There's always a chance, I guess. Betts made one appearance at second during the season as an injury replacement for Ian Kinsler. Before that game on August 3rd, Betts has not played anywhere other than the outfield since his rookie season in 2014. He appeared in 14 games at second base that year. The two-time Gold Glove outfielder has a career 956 fielding percentage at second, having committed three errors in 15 games. It's a dilemma for Cora putting uh, putting Betts at the keystone would weaken the team's defense and could make him a liability on the field. With the playoff series on the line, defensive uh, miscues can be the difference. You don't need to tell the Red Sox that they're very familiar. Then again, if Betts doesn't shift to the infield, Cora would either have to find a spot for Martinez or use him off the bench. Considering Martinez ranked first in the majors in RBIs and second in batting average and home runs, it would be very tough to sit him. Boston is fortunate enough to, to have four outfielders worthy of starting in the World Series, but finding each of them at bats will be a problem in, in, in the National League Park. Neither Jackie Bradley Jr. nor Andrew Bettinendi has played anywhere other than the outfield in the majors. The Red Sox skipper has time to ponder the situation and think about it as the two as the first two games of the best of seven series will take place at Fenway Park on Tuesday, on Tuesday and Wednesday, respectively, against either the Milwaukee Brewers or Los Angeles Dodgers. And speaking of those two teams, Game 7 happened today, and I'll get into that later in the episode, so I already know who they will play. So the World Series will shift to the National League Park Friday, October 26th, for three games there. Cora's decision could be impacted by the opponent or how the first two games will play out. Regardless, it will be a story that is worth keeping an eye on, and I'm very looking forward to see how this plays out. Uh, switching gears now to European soccer, as promised, Lionel Messi was substituted following an injury during Barcelona's, Barcelona's 4-2 win over Sevilla in La Liga at the Camp Nou on Saturday. The 31-year-old five-time Ballon d'Or winner suffered an elbow injury shortly after putting Barca up 2-0. The injury was later revealed to be a fracture of the radial bone that will force Messi to miss extended time, including the first Clasico of the season against Real Madrid on Sunday, October 28th. The prol prolific number 10 was later seen having his arm strapped up on the touchline before Frenchman Osman Dembele uh, replaced him. 
Messi could now be set to miss pivotal matches both domestically and the UEFA Champions League. Manager Ernesto Valverde will hope Messi isn't out for long. He remains the inspiration in attacking areas for a team that's struggling to hit the highs of, of last season uh, when they lost only one match on their way to the league title. Barca went top after beating Sevilla, but the champions have appeared vulnerable already during this season. Uh, Barca have lost once and drawn three matches, even with Messi in the lineup. Nimbella has the pace and vision to be an asset alongside Luis Suarez in the final third, but Messi remains the team's spark. So this is a big loss, and hopefully he'll be back. Um, switching gears now back to the NBA. Toronto Raptors small forward Kawhi Leonard, Minnesota Timberwolves shooting guard Jimmy Butler, and Boston Celtics small forward Gordon Hayward will sit out their team's respective games today, or I should say they already have. Each player will rest as part of the second half of back-to-back games after playing Friday. Leonard is coming off a strong showing Friday as he led all scorers with 31 points in the Raptors' 12-point win over the Celtics. On Saturday, Toronto will be without the two-time NBA Defensive Player of the Year in a road game against the Washington Wizards. Uh, Leonard appeared in only nine, nine games last season, as we all know, with the San Antonio Spurs because of a quad injury. Butler registered 33.7 boards, four steals, and three assists on Friday in a 131-123 win against the Cleveland Cavaliers. The four-time All-Star requested a trade a few weeks ago, but Minnesota has yet to move him despite the fact that he can become a free agent during the offseason. Butler will miss Saturday's, or Butler has missed Saturday's game against the Dallas Mavericks. In Friday's loss to Toronto, Hayward finished with 14 points and seven rebounds. That marked just his second um, regular season game since suffering a gruesome leg injury in last year's season opener. The injury caused Hayward the remainder of the season, as well as Boston's playoff run to the Eastern Conference Finals. Boston will be without Hay- or Boston was without Hayward in today's game against the New York Knicks. So that's that. Switching gears now to the MLB playoffs, the Dodgers and Brewers played Game Seven, and I was so hyped, so happy. The Los Angeles Dodgers are heading to the World Series after pulling out a 5-1 victory over the Milwaukee Brewers in Game 7 of the National League Championship Series at Miller Park on Saturday. Cody Bellinger gave the Dodgers the lead with a two-run home run in the second inning, and Yasiel Puig provided breathing room with a three-run shot in the sixth. Walker Buehler allowed just one run while striking out seven in 4.2 frames for Los Angeles. Christian Yelich also homered for Milwaukee, so a 5-1 win for the Dodgers. They play the Boston Red Sox. Um, in they play the Boston Red Sox uh, in the World Series, and I'm couldn't be more happy and excited. Excited, and even even if the Dodgers lose in the World Series, I'm extremely happy with this season simply because Dodgers they started the season the worst start in franchise history. They had to claw their way to the postseason. They had to play Game 163 against the Colorado Rockies to determine who goes to the Division Series and who goes to the Wild Card. They won that game, and they took care of the Atlanta Braves in the Division Series, and now they beat the Milwaukee Brewers in a grueling seven-game series. So even if they lose to the heavily favored Boston Red Sox, who have home field advantage in the World Series, it's a very successful season in my opinion. Yes, it would be upsetting to lose in the World Series two years in a row, but it would still be a very successful season in my book. Switching gears now back to college football football for the last notable news story of the day, of the episode. Purdue throttled Ohio State 49-20 and handed the second-ranked Buckeyes their first loss of the season behind a signature effort from quarterback David Blow at Ross 8 Stadium on Saturday night. The Boilermakers are now 4-3 after opening the season with three straight losses to Northwestern, Eastern Michigan, and Missouri. Blow continued his scorching play in October and topped 300 yards for the third straight game going 25-43 for 378 yards and three touchdowns, including a dime that was parlayed into a one-handed grab by Isaac Zico to open the inning. So huge win for Purdue. Not that it really changes their season, but 
definitely alters the potential uh, ending to Ohio State season. Will they make the playoff now? That's definitely going to be a key variable there. So that's what we have for the notable sports news. Now we're going to be transitioning into the news results and future matchups of the Los Angeles sports teams, starting with the Los Angeles Lakers, who played their second game of, of the 2018-19 season today, their first home game of the season. LeBron James' first game was a Laker, and it was a 124-115 to loss to the Houston Rockets. See, the Lakers are now 0-2 on the season, and the Rockets are 1-1. It was a great game. I thought the Lakers could close it out, but the Lakers look good, and I'm very excited for the rest of the season. I think I think the Lakers are a playoff team in the loaded Western Conference. So they, they're, they started 0-2, but I'm very optimistic for this season. The Lakers' next game is Monday, October 22nd at 7.30 p.m. Pacific time, 10.30 p.m. Eastern against the San Antonio Spurs in Los Angeles as they look to get their first win of the season and snap a two-game losing streak. That game is broadcasted uh, locally on Spectrum Sportsnet and nationally on NBA TV. The LA Clippers, they did not play today. They are 1-1 uh, and one on the season. They play the Houston Rockets tomorrow at 6 p.m. Pacific time, 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, that game is broadcasted locally on Fox Sports Prime Ticket and nationally on NBA TV as well. The LA, LA Dodgers, as we all know, they beat, as I covered, they beat the Milwaukee Brewers today 5-1, winning the series 4-3 in seven games. Their next game is Tuesday, October 23rd at 5.09 p.m. Pacific Time, 8.09 p.m. Eastern against the Boston Red Sox, broadcasted nationally on Fox in Game 1 of the World Series. I'm hyped. I'm excited. Let's get it on. The LA Kings, meanwhile, I'm not excited for them. Uh, they played the Buffalo Sabres today at home. They lost 5-1, to so the Kings fall to 2-5-1 on the season, and the Sabres improved to 4-4-0. The Kings are still 7th in the Pacific Division. Their next game is Tuesday, October twenty third, October October twenty third, at five thirty p.m. Pacific time, eight thirty p.m. Eastern, against the Dallas Stars in Dallas, Texas, as the Kings look to snap a uh, four game losing streak. So they are not looking good to open the season. The Anaheim Ducks, meanwhile, the crosstown rivals, their winning streak was snapped today as they played the Vegas Golden Knights in Las Vegas, Nevada, and lost three to one. So the Ducks fall to five two and one, and the Knights improve to four four and zero. Oh. The Ducks' next game is tomorrow at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern against the Buffalo Sabres in Anaheim, California. Taking a look at the NHL standings, uh, specifically in the Pacific Division, as I said, the Kings are still 7th in the Pacific Division of the Western Conference with only 5 points, while the Anaheim Ducks are still in 1st place in the Pacific Division with 11 points, 1 point ahead of the 2nd place Vancouver Canucks, and uh, 2 points ahead of the 3rd place San Jose Sharks and three points ahead of the Calgary Flames and Vegas Golden Knights, who are th tied for third place, respectively. The LA Galaxy, they have two games left in the season. They play tomorrow at ten at 2 p.m. Pacific time, 5 p.m. Eastern, against Minnesota United. Huge game there. LAFC, they also play tomorrow at 2 p.m. Pacific time, 5 p.m. Eastern, but they play against the Vancouver Whitecaps. Taking a look at, at the MLS standings, the LA Galaxy are in seventh place in the Western Conference, four points behind sixth place Real Salt Lake who have 49 points and hold the last playoff spot in the Western Conference. LAFC are comfortably in third place, tied with second-place Sporting Kansas City with 56 points and only one point behind first-place FC Dallas, who hold 57 points. Uh, the LA Rams, they play uh, tomorrow. The LA Rams play tomorrow at 1.25 p.m. Pacific time, 4.25 p.m. Eastern against the shorthanded San Francisco 49ers. That game is broadcasted nationally on CBS. Uh, the LA Chargers, who are four and two on the season, will look to improve to five and two tomorrow morning, six thirty a.m. Pacific time, nine thirty a.m. Eastern, against the Tennessee Titans, broadcasted uh, nationally on CBS. That game is in Carson, California. Uh, UCLA football. 
they are playing as we speak at the time of this recording at 10:47 p.m. Pacific time, uh, 1:47 a.m. Eastern. They are playing the Arizona Wildcats, and they are up 31 30 with three minutes and 26 seconds left in the fourth quarter, one point lead, and they have. Uh, it is currently second and ten at Arizona's 44 yard line. If UCLA holds on, they will uh, improve to two and five on the season. Uh, getting a two-game winning streak after losing their first five of the year. Arizona will, will fall to three and five if they lose. UCLA's next game after this one concludes is, is um, Friday, October 26th at 7.30 p.m. Pacific time, 10.30 p.m. Eastern against the Utah Utes at the Rose Bowl, which will be broadcast nationally on ESPN. USC, they played the Utah Utes today, and they lost 41-28. to So the Utes improved to five and two, and the USC Trojans fall to four and three. USC's next game is next Saturday, October 27th at 12.30 p.m. Pacific time, 3.30 p.m. Eastern against the Arizona State Sun Devils, uh, broadcasted nationally on ABC and ESPN2. So that's all we have for this episode of Sean Sports Show. Um, if you like this podcast, please uh, be sure to rate it five stars on iTunes, follow me on Spotify, uh, You know, subscribe on iTunes, do whatever you got to do. Um, any donation would be appreciated. I would use all the uh, money donated for the for the sole purpose of making this podcast better for you, the listener. And uh, follow me on social media, Sean Sports Show on uh, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Also, Sean.Toplitsky on Instagram, my personal account. Check out my website, SeanSportsShow.com. So thanks for listening again. Episode number 157 will be recorded and published on Sunday, October 21st, 2018. And until then, have a good night.